0: hi i'm kelsey i'm an ivf warrior and infertility advocate using my platform to spread awareness about infertility
1: and i'm elizabeth i'm a certified fertility coach life coach birth and bereavement doula and new parent educator i'm here to support and serve the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your baby home and everything along the way Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast,
0: where we talk about the dreams and dilemmas of life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between.
1: We hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review.
0: Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today we have on Dr. Ringler. He's a reproductive endocrinologist with California Fertility Partners. Um, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ringler. I will let you further introduce yourself.
2: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I'm a fertility specialist with California Fertility Partners in Los Angeles, where I've been practicing for the last about 30 years now. It's hard to believe it goes by fast. It but... <laughs> sure does. I love what I do. Um, I'm very fortunate to help people have babies and build families. And um, it's a wonderful field because it keeps changing, um, new developments um, come up, and we're all dedicated, I think everyone in this field, to trying to give our patients the, the best possible chance for successful outcome.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, I- we're bringing you on today to pretty much talk about the COVID vaccine and what that means for people trying to conceive and going through treatments and maybe if they have already, um, are pregnant. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. Cause it's kind of been a little bit of a gray area for a lot of people. And I'm sure, you know, um, you get asked a lot by your patients, like, what do I do? So we'll kind of just jump right in. Um, what is your initial recommendation for someone who's about to start treatments and is asking you about the vaccine?
2: Okay. Well, this has been a very challenging year for all of us. You know, When the pandemic hit really last March, a year ago, um, most fertility clinics follow the guidelines published by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. We just shut down. We started new treatment cycles. And as, you know, things evolved and we started learning more about the illness, um, we gradually started treat, treating patients again, probably by May of last year. And I think patients, you know, as everyone learned how to, how to live, how to, you know, how to deal with the pandemic, everyone, wa- everyone wanted to get, get on with their lives, and that included family building. And so patients have gradually come back during the past year. And now we have access to the vaccine, you know, not everyone, but gradually um, more and more people are having the opportunity to receive the vaccine. I've been fortunate and early this year I had the vaccine um, because I'm seeing clinical patients and more and more of my patients are asking, should I get it? The American College of OBGYN recommends that it's offered to all women who are pregnant currently or who are planning to get pregnant. Um, it's an individual decision that each patient must consider based upon their risk level, of their lifestyle, um, and their health, their health issues if they have any. Um, so if, if you are planning to get pregnant and you have access to the vaccine, the vaccine, um, it's recommended to receive the vaccine. Um, if you are currently pregnant um, and you have access, it's also recommended, to consider taking the vaccine. We don't know of any adverse effects of of receiving the vaccine in pregnancy. Um, And based upon the way the vaccine works, it really should not pose risk um, to the developing child at all. Because when you receive that vaccine it's taken up by the cells in your arm and your, your, your body responds, to that messenger RNA by making portions of the spike protein. So spike protein then circulates in your body and your immune system responds to that spike protein by making antibodies, the protective mechanism. And these antibodies if encountered within a viral particle can squash it. And that's the goal. Um, So once you have antibodies and you're pregnant, Your antibodies will cross the placenta, so the baby will be protected. The CDC has has studies that show that pregnant women with the viral infection um, can develop more severe disease than non-pregnant women who become infected. So that's the main advantage. You want to protect yourself from from developing a severe illness from the COVID virus. If you're pregnant and have some comorbidity like diabetes, you know, obesity, hypertension, um, that could also increase your risk of developing severe disease should you get infected. So, you know, that should also go into your decision making. Now, if you live in the middle of nowhere and have no contact with the outside with people in your community and your family and you, you prefer not to receive the vaccine, I think that's okay too. Mm-hmm. You really have to evaluate in your personal life how you live, you know, you know, where you might have potential exposure if you know you would benefit from the vaccine. Um, you know, most of us living in large cities, you know, there are people around, people are becoming more engaged in their communities. Um, year, there's possible exposure. So um, those individuals would benefit from receiving the vaccine. Um, during the clinical trials with, um, on the vaccine, there were a, about two dozen women who became pregnant during the clinical trials, and they suffered no adverse effects mm-hmm. from having received the vaccine, even though they were pregnant. So from all available, they, although it hasn't been studied in pregnant women, Mm-hmm. Um, based upon the mechanism of action of the vaccine, the women who were pregnant in the clinical trials, um, there's no evidence that it, it should be harmful to the pregnancy.
1: And you had mentioned about the going through the placenta for the baby. So is the baby actually protected as same as when we get the flu shots when we're pregnant? So the baby carries over to the baby, I think, for six months after they're born. Is that the same with the COVID vaccine?
2: So the baby should be protected, you know, depending on how long the va- the antibodies stay around. Um, now, the vaccine itself, this this question comes up, does not get into the baby. So the, mes- the messenger RNA and messenger RNA is what the vaccine is made out of. This gives instructions to the cells in your body to make the spike protein, but it, it doesn't last very long. So it doesn't, it doesn't. Last long enough to, to get to the baby in a pregnant woman. Now, the antibodies will, but they'll, they'll be protective. That's a good thing.
1: Okay. And then I get questions pretty much weekly from clients about, you know, one that's starting to do her retrieval next week, I think. And she's like, I have 17 follicles. I don't know if I should get the vaccine because is it going to mess up, you know, my 17 follicles that I currently have right now? Right. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to mm-hmm. do anything to, you know, rock the boat in any way, shape or form. Is that something that you think could be affected or we don't know? Or what is your opinion on that?
2: Uh, it really should not interfere with the, the treatment process. The American Society for Reproductive Medicine recommends to withhold uh, receiving the vaccine three days prior to a procedure such as an egg retrieval. Okay. Um, to three days after same with the embryo <laughs> transfer withhold like three days before three days after um, just to be extra cautionary some individuals will develop a fever after the vaccine mm-hmm. um, so you, you, know, you want to avoid a fever in case that should have any adverse effects at all but I think you know it, it is an individual that you know it is a question that every individual has to decide for themselves right. but you should talk to your doctor about it you know and The CDC actually has excellent information on their website um, for patients about about COVID, the COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think hopefully patients, you know, the more they read, will get comfortable with the concepts and um, be able to make a decision that they feel good about.
0: Yeah. And do you know, if you do contract COVID-19, does, can your baby get COVID-19 if you're pregnant or how does that work?
2: You know, there's not a lot of data. They've looked at that. Um, In the early studies out of China, there was no evidence that the virus could cross the placenta into the baby. The women with severe disease, the babies were not affected. You know, it's complicated by some of those early studies. Some of the babies showed up positive after they had been handled by a nanny. Um, They may have had contact with the mother who's had COVID and, is infectious so mm-hmm. that you could they could pick it up post delivery
0: where where is the best information that you recommend getting your facts about COVID-19 because there's so many different resources out there um, and everyone kind of has different information but where would you recommend everyone kind of be like look this is the main source that you should really be looking at
2: I like the CDC website you know there's a lot of information it's very straightforward very clear Um, so I would, I would start with the CDC website, talk to your doctor, uh, to see if they have information available, um, for for their patients.
1: Do you know if there's any current studies that are actually happening with pregnant women or, and how do we find
2: that out? Um, not yet. I mean, they're just starting to do, um, clinical studies on younger individuals, um, but not pregnant women.
1: Okay. I can't imagine people wanting to necessarily sign up for that when you're pregnant. Too.
2: Yeah. yeah. That would be a challenge.
1: I think. Yeah. I have a few friends. Um, they're
0: all in the third trimester and they have gotten it. Um, do you know, is there a recommendation to wait till your third trimester or is it safe? Do you still think in your first and second? Um, what are your thoughts?
2: That, that's a good question. There, there, there are not recommendations to restrict it to a certain trimester, you know, Again, it's really based upon the mechanism of action. Many of the old virus, old vaccines were viruses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people hear a vaccine, they think, oh, I'm going to have an injection of this virus. I don't want it to get into the baby. This is a, a, a new type of vaccine that's very novel. Um, it's a molecule that instructs literally the cells, muscle cells in your arm to make this spike protein, which then circulates... Your blood, your immune system recognizes it and makes antibodies to respond to, to this spike protein um, so that the vaccine itself cannot get into the baby. So it really should not be harmful in any way.
1: And what's your protocol in your office now since COVID changed? I mean, I'm sure you, it's much different. Are spouses allowed to come in? Are they only allowed to come in for certain things? Like what, what's happening where you guys are at? And you're yeah. in California, right?
2: Yeah, we're in Los Angeles and uh, we've changed most of our protocols in our office, yeah. you know, like everyone else. So we just have a very busy waiting room. We have a big, beautiful waiting room, but now uh, we minimize patients <laughs> waiting in it. Yeah. So um, patients cannot bring a visitor, no okay. partners, no spouses um, with them for their appointments. They have to spouse has to wait in the car in the parking garage mm-hmm. um, and we try to literally try to minimize patients waiting in the waiting room they come in the office they're put in the exam room they have their blood drawn um, we have distancing everywhere while they're waiting to, yeah. for procedure um, mm-hmm. prior to our staff being vaccinated we wore face masks and face shields um, now our staff our entire staff is vaccinated, so we're we're not wearing face shields. We just we of course we all wear masks all the time, and uh, yeah. you know our patients have to wear masks, and um, so it's really about spacing out patients, trying to minimize patients' contact with another patient, um, and you know our patients are all young and healthy women in general, and so they they don't have high risk factors and. You know, I think individuals who are planning to get pregnant and start a family are extra careful. You know? Right. And so, our, you know, we've been very fortunate; we haven't had, we have had some positive cases. I've had women going through fertility treatment test positive. I've had pregnant women test positive. That surrogate mothers test positive. Right. Um, but everyone's trying to be really careful to protect the unborn child, you know, and protect their their family at home.
1: Right. So. And how have you seen that um, kind of separation of husbands or spouses or partners being in the parking garage affect people on an emotional level? I know when I was going through it, I cannot even imagine being there by myself, especially when I went through the losses and stuff. I mean, how is that from your perspective to feel like, oh my gosh, like it's kind of all on you, right? And your nurse oh. or whoever's with you?
2: Plan B is FaceTime. Yeah. So FaceTime's amazing. In the exam room, husband's on Facetime. Yeah. The transfer room, husband's on Facetime. Um, um, surrogate in the tra- transfer room, the intended parents are on Facetime, so it's like they're right there. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly the same, but you know, we've all learned to adjust, and you know, it's hasn't hasn't been easy, but um, we're we're getting through it, and you know, patients are, I, as I said, patients are really committed to getting on with life and Absolutely. continuing, you know, their plans to build their family. And, you know, our, our, up, right? our patients will do anything to, to, to make that happen, right? For totally. They've got a goal and they're going to achieve it. And we're there to help them, you know. And you we're haven't.
1: so grateful, mind Just you.
2: totally.
0: <laughs> And aside from you guys limiting actually how many people are coming in, have you noticed a decrease of patients actually coming in because of the virus? Like, oh, I'm going to hold off on treatments because I don't want to be going in and out of the office right now. Have you guys noticed a decrease in that?
2: We did in the beginning, you know, oh. um, you know for the first six months, I would say. Okay. But, uh, you know, as, as our entire country has gotten used to living with COVID and we've learned how, how to handle things. You know more and more patients have come back. Now, historically, we've always seen a very, a lot of inter- international patients. Our IVF program is fairly well known because it helped create some of the world's first IVF babies. So we see patients from Europe, China, who come for high quality fertility care and for treatment options that aren't available where they live. So in the pandemic, the rest of the world has been sh- shut down, shut out. Yes. So, so but we still see our, our local patients, you know, who seek us out, okay. um, and you know I think we're about eighty percent back to where we were. Okay. You no, know, but I I, have, I do have patients that decided not to do their frozen embryo transfer for a while until they felt a little more comfortable. You know, they didn't want mm-hmm. their surrogate to get pregnant yet. Yeah, they wanted to wait until things calmed down. But I think more and more, more and more patients are are feeling comfortable and they're. Continuing with their family billing plans, yeah, and the vaccine may even makes people will make make people more comfortable. Um, have either of you had the vaccine?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, we
0: both have. Uh huh.
2: Great. Yeah, yeah. You, as you once you get that first injection, you feel this relief, don't you? Totally. Very, we carried around this fear of COVID, and so knowing you have that vaccine protection, you know you you know, you're still very protective of things, but you've, it's a huge sense of relief.
0: No, it is. And that's part of the reason I just really wanted to bring you on. And I had spoke with you earlier. I got a lot of negative feedback about it because I share my journey very openly on Instagram of doing IVF and everything. And Um, you know, I just got a lot of comments, like, why would you throw a wrench in an already complicated situation? There's no studies, there's nothing like that. And, you know, my father-in-law was in the hospital for two weeks um, on a respirator. And I've had my friend's parents pass away from COVID. And, um, you know, I I don't know, in my head, I thought, well, you know, my embryo is already frozen. My husband's sperm is frozen. Like, I, I don't, even have fertility really like i'm i'm infertile so really i'm not sure like what like where the negative feedback was coming from i was just kind of like well i don't know i felt safe getting it um my doctor definitely recommended it so um i I, that's why i just kind of wanted people who are really unsure about it to have a source you know coming straight from a doctor you know to really be able to listen to and that's why i was like really happy that you agreed to come on and talk about this today so i
2: think for a lot of people, there's fear of science, fear of the unknown, and fear of new science. And you know, I live with science. You know, what we do every day is science. You know, we, you know, doing IVF is amazing application of modern technology. You know, to do something good. Um, and so, of course, I'm comfortable with science. <laughs> right. And so this vaccine, you know, is a new development. It's a new methodology. Um, It's a brilliant application of the technology to help the world out of this pandemic. And, you know, it's a very positive experience. So why, why wouldn't you do something to protect yourself? And, you know, you you may even protect your unborn baby um, by, you know, giving him or her some antibodies.
0: I know some of the girls, um, their concerns were it, they just, they created it too fast. They said there's, how did this come this um, vaccine come so fast and I don't, you know, I don't have an answer, but I know science has definitely come a long way since, you know, since back in the day. So it's like, well, I don't have an answer, but I feel safe getting it. So
2: Uh, the pharmaceutical companies have done um, an excellent job of conducting large clinical trials. These these clinical trials have been scrutinized by the, the national experts um, on infectious disease and clinical trials and have found that these um, medications have been validated to be effective and with minimal minimal risk and so um,
1: and there was the urgency right so things magically get pushed pushed along when there's the yeah. urgency of
2: yeah of- I mean look, look what happened whoever would have imagined you know we'd be in a pandemic this year I mean yeah. so, yeah. I'm, I'm thankful the vaccine is present. It's being rolled out well. More and more Americans are receiving the vaccine and that makes our our country, our community safer for all of us.
1: Absolutely. And have you found that telehealth has made your job easier on a day-to-day or like, are you happy about that? I know a lot of people just from working from home are like, oh, I'm so happy. I never want to go back to how it was before. How is it for you?
2: I know it's really fascinating because it's <laughs> has changed things a lot you know we we still see patients you know first half of my day i'm doing clinical monitoring of patients during treatments i'm seeing them in person my consults are generally in the afternoon and it does make it a little easier to do a zoom consult Uh, we have been doing that actually with patients who live live in beijing or patients live in london you know tokyo we've always done those um so i think it it does work very well but you know eventually you have to see your your patient face to face. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: in, in your line of work, absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, it def, definitely helps, right? Yeah. Definitely. Although we have had for some of our international patients who can't travel here, um, we have labs set up, uh, okay. cooperating labs that will free sperm for us um, and do the required infectious disease testing. And then we can have the sperm courier here. So, okay. so we found ways to help people who can't travel here. But, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that the travel restrictions will end sometime this summer and our international patients will continue to come back. You know, in the last couple of months, I've had some women from China who had to go through extensive quarantining procedures mm-hmm. just to get here. And then on the way back, same with a couple of patients from Australia. So it's really cumbersome. But, you know, if they're committed and they can make that happen, they're going to make that happen.
1: Yeah, and so cool that we live in a world now that we are able to make that happen. I think it's amazing. Um, And so going back to your original comment of 30 years doing this, what do you think has been the biggest change that you've seen in the last 30 years as far as technology of reproductive medicine?
2: In general, I have to say the success rates are so much higher than ever before. You know, 30 years ago, the success rate of IVF for the embryo transfer was 20%, 25%. You know, now they're, you know, 70, 75%. Um, And that's due to to multiple factors. You know, the treatment protocols have changed. The laboratory conditions to culture embryos have changed. um, The evaluation of of which embryos to transfer have changed. um, um, Techniques have changed. Um, that all have added up um, into allowing us to provide our patients higher success rates than ever before. So, um, and the genetic testing of embryos has been helpful, especially for older women Mm -hmm. um, to help determine which embryos um, may be the best for transfer. They don't, they give us a lot of information. They don't tell us everything, but they can be very helpful. Um, And, you know, Newer developments like egg donation—you know, twenty-five years ago—was um, a new, a new treatment option. That today it offers many women in their mid-forties, you know, very real chance of being successful. Very real chance of having a baby where prior to this development would not have been available. Um, here in California, um, surrogacy um, is available to help individuals who need um, a surrogate mother because they don't. Have Either they don't have a uterus, they don't have a functional uterus, or perhaps they have a chronic medical condition that would make carrying a pregnancy very high risk, both to the baby and to the mother, that surrogacy allows them to have a, a high chance of having a baby. Um, so all of, you know, there have been many events, but it's not a single one. Yeah. The good news is that the success rates are higher, and if, if patients are open to to new science, new ideas, yeah. uh, almost anyone can be successful.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. It truly mm-hmm. is. What a great field to be in to see this joy of a family be created every day in so many different ways. It's, mm-hmm. It really must be so rewarding.
2: It, it's wonderful. You know, and I, I, I love the science of it, but I love the, you know, helping these individuals, you know, ha- have babies, build families. It's yeah.
0: <laughs> so rewarding. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Ringler. Um, I just want to thank you for your wealth of information on everything. And I know you're so busy. So I appreciate you taking the time to be with us here today. We have listeners from all over the world. So I would love for you to share if you have a website. Um, so if they're interested in coming to your clinic, they know where to find you.
2: Oh, great. Thank you. Yep. Uh, we're CaliforniaFertilityPartners.com. Um, and there's contact information on our website, and we can do Zoom calls, video calls for patients from around the world. And um, we have always seen patients around the world from the beginnings when we uh, were one of the first programs to do IVF as a clinical science. Um, And what's unique about our program is we're really committed to providing our patients the best quality of care and we give um, high-touch care. So in our program, if you're my patient, I, I see you for every ultrasound visit. Um, I do your egg retrieval. I do your embryo transfer. Um, so we spend a lot of time face-to-face with our patients um, collecting the data that we use to make decisions on. So that continuity of care um, adds up to better success rates we build.
0: Yeah.
1: So glad to hear that. Thank you so much again for joining us today and we look forward to hearing more from you in different ways
2: thank you very much it's been a pleasure
1: thanks for listening to the pretty little tribe podcast
0: you can find us on instagram at pretty little tribe and if you related to this episode take a screenshot and hashtag pretty little tribe because we want to see those in our dms so then we can share them in our story too and give you some love back
1: Of course, if you have a topic idea or want to be on the podcast, email us at prettylittletribe at gmail.com.
0: Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.
1: Thanks again for joining your tribe today, and we will see you next time.